You're listening to episode 17 of the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Hey, we're Sub Radio. You're listening to the Musicpreneur Mindset Podcast. Here's your host, Suze, founder of the Rockstar Advocate. Hey there, you're listening to episode 17, Musicpreneur Spotlight on Zach Golden. I'm your host, Suze, a mindset coach to help musicpreneurs build sustainable careers in music. In this month's spotlight, I spoke to Zach Golden, who has been a dear friend for over five years and is one half of the future soul duo Broken Luxury. Their upcoming EP, Enuma, will be out soon. Enuma is a term that refers to the bittersweet feeling of knowing what your future holds but not being able to alert your past or present self. Speaking of past selves, Zach and I met in the wonderful world of retail, where we worked for Crate and Barrel's flagship store in New York City. We were both in the stockroom counting the days till we didn't have to show up at a day job that had nothing to do with our goals in music. We soon realized that we both attacked our goals with the same focus and drive, and we became a support system for one another as we navigated our own paths. In 2014, our friendship was forever solidified in history when we decided to brave a winter storm to bring home his music partner, aka the other half of Broken Luxury, Josh Reynolds, who was stranded in a city he was unfamiliar with, but we'll tell you more on that later. Aside from our life-threatening travels, Zach often served as an emotional support system for me as I went through a very difficult time with my father, as I discussed in episode 16 last week often playing me his music, which served as an incredible escape, as most of us know music can do. What I've always respected about Zach, and I'm sure you'll pick up on this as you listen to his story, is his respect for the art and the musicians with whom he collaborates. Although quiet at times, Zach's mind is always moving and thinking of ways to improve his craft and be the best he can be in order to allow others to shine. It's truly a collaborative effort with him. In today's episode, I think the biggest takeaways you'll find will be the importance of your long game, as well as the importance to trust your gut and create a path that is true to you. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Zach Golden. Oh, um, actually, quick note, I now learned to not place a microphone on top of electrical equipment, so my apologies for the occasional pops and sudden cuts that you may hear. So I'm here with Zach now, and I've known Zach for a while now, and I'm really happy I got him to sit down. He's usually the quiet one of Broken Luxury, but I've gotten him to sit down with me and share, you know, share some of their experiences and share what they do, because Broken Luxury does a lot of unique stuff with not only their sound, but their stage performance, and I think a lot can be learned from them if you're an independent musician looking to stand out from people, and they've always done things that the highest level, very professional, and I think they've got a lot that they can share with us. So thank you, Zach, for sitting down with me. Of course. Thank you for the uh, very kind words and the introduction. It's great to be here. I've watched your style and sound kind of evolve over the years. So what or who are some of your biggest influences when it comes to your style, your music, anything, how you express yourself? I think of the band that uh, anybody who knows me would say that comes to mind immediately would be Disclosure. Most people know them for the Slatch, which is mm-hmm. people consider to be Sam Smith's song. But their production and their incredible songwriting group uh, that they write with, main writers is Jimmy Napes, who's written Sam Smith stuff, almost all Disclosure stuff. Um, worked with Mary J. Blige, an incredible soul uh, songwriter. So mixing that all together and then also their 
massive attention to detail when it comes to live shows um, and realizing that in the world of electronic music, where DJs can press a button and notice on DJs, that's a definite, definitely a cool experience with light shows. There's something to be said about being able to recreate a live experience by playing instruments, whether they're electronic instruments or real instruments. And so they are consistently one of the biggest reasons of why I push myself daily. Yeah, I mean, I think that really shows in the music because when you listen to Broken Luxury stuff, there's a lot of there's soul, there's, you know, some rock in there, there's pop and, and dance. And I think it's it's really interesting how you guys manage to put that all together and it doesn't sound like this club loop. <laughs> like there's like actually shape to it. And and seeing the live shows that I've seen, like the, the light aspect to it too, it's, again, it's not just like this pulsing light. And I'm kind of interested to know, like, how do you guys... The, how do you guys do the the light design? Like, what where does that inspiration come from, and how do you kind of attack that? Because it seems extremely tedious. That inspiration started, I think, you know, for even the being sick and tired of just showing up, setting up, playing, and there just not really being an impact. Because especially in the world of New York City, you're winning with six bands in one night. You have 15 minutes to set up get on stage, play your thing, maybe you make a small impact, but you don't really make the statement that you want to because there's so many things happening. Along with the way that we decided to put our music together to make it one continuous song, so right when we start to the very end is music. And that's a big reason that we wanted to compete with the world of DJing and the world of what is now expected when they, somebody shows up to a show. But then that kind of bled into the idea of the lights to take over everything that we could to make sure that every every time we show up to the show, people get a consistent experience from us. And that's really, really important for our vision of what we think Broken Luxury should be. That kind of stemmed this idea to build this light rig. It's really something. If you guys have a chance to see them live, you guys will be playing the music and then Josh will have this, you know, epic kind of, I mean, his voice is incredible. And, and then you're just surrounded by all this light and you hear his voice and then you come in with the drums and it's like, it is definitely an experience. It doesn't feel like, oh, they're up there with a laptop and they're hitting the loop and singing the words. So what made you guys decide to bring on more people to your live show? Because it's always been the two of you and now you have a few other musicians joining you on stage. So what is that whole process like? And what was that like to transition into bringing more people uh, with you on stage? It was a much faster transition than I thought it was going to be. It wasn't as so much gradual. It was gradual in the sense of we have an entire album that we've finished, kind of replicates kind of our live show as well, where it's a continuous album, that it's fully immersive, because I believe in that, the artistic integrity of an entire album. But these other people that are playing with us, we've known for a long time. We've created these songs with these people as well. So adding them to the entire energy level that is on stage, adding Jesse Liu's incredible saxophonist, incredible writer and incredible singer too. She has some amazing music out as well. So definitely check her out. Her soloing, her interaction with Josh, he almost acts like another vocalist Mm -hmm. because we don't have another vocalist on stage. And Pat McCusker is an incredible guitarist. I think he's amazing. He has such a connection to it. For the big show that we did a year ago, we did a full band of six people. And so we had Francis Hickey playing bass. We've played all the pop together. And there's the, the infamous Will Wells, who I think everybody knows or will know, who has been an incredible ally for Josh and I and for Broken Luxury and is a massive supporter. And so many songs on this album have been written with him. Just created this family environment that's on stage. And I think that 
really comes through um, more than just hiring some ma- random musicians. It wasn't like we like we need to have more people just to have more people. Every single person on that stage has a, a very intense purpose and is very impactful to what Broken Luxury image is and what, what Josh and I believe in. And so that kind of grew to that full band experience. And then, you know, I think that although now we play kind of with a smaller group, like we did uh, the few Anthony Ramos shows, two in New York, one with Jesse, one with Pat, and then one in Chicago where both Jesse and Pat joined us. But that really just helped to it helped us on stage because we feed off of each other's energy. Josh feeds off of having Jesse to, to solo and to interact with him. I interact off of Pat's playing because I'm focused on the percussive element of it. And so the four of us being able to feed on that can emit the power that it needs to to be able to stand in front of this light show that can create this sound that, that we've imagined in over the past uh, years, I guess. I know, I think it certainly adds to the whole more fuller sound. And when you guys brought those people on, obviously you said, you know, you didn't go the whole route of, oh, I'm just going to hire somebody because we need them. So I take it it kind of just happened organically and it was just like, oh, I like this. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, everything was completely organic. <laughs> no money was talked about at the time. Obviously, payment is absolutely done because right. <laughs> that is an important part of people being respected because you should right. be paid for what you do and for your talents. Jesse and I had knew each other back at Berkeley, kind of. Not really closely, but then we reconnected through some shows that that Josh and I were at, and we met her, and we just got in the room, and um, the song "Addicted" that's already out right now, she just came into solo on, and it just it opened up our minds to what the possibilities were, and so that just stemmed from there, and then just having Pat McCusker solo on "One for You" it brought a whole new life to that, and that's basically how all of that happened is it we kind of just all got together it felt like a hang and then it grew into this greater thing that didn't have yeah. to be built didn't have to be forced and also any of those things i think anybody in music knows that uh, i use this analogy consistently when you're working with somebody and the, and it doesn't click that way it's like a terrible day it's yeah. like it's like an it's like a really unfortunate day that you're like i don't know how to get out of this but i gotta get out of here um <laughs> and so every all of those experiences were just uh you know, happened the exact opposite way where this is fucking incredible. Yeah. And I know, I know Josh can attest to the minds of those other people of what they brought would inspire him to think differently for him to think of different ideas for him to perform differently or be even more jacked to like, just get up on the mic and really go for it in a way that he probably wouldn't have if it was just him and I in the room. And that's really important in collaborating is to be able to expand and find different Um, emotions and intensities in your creations and I think that's really great to explain and and that was a very apt analogy when you and Josh you know you've talked about and and I know from knowing you guys how detail-oriented you are and what it means to you know really take time to to build something where it's not just we'll do this and see what happens do you look to other bands like Disclosure to see okay what's working what's not what's that like I think a lot of the things that we were thinking of how we wanted everything to be in, to be brought forward as broken luxury. I think a lot of it is uh, intrinsic for stuff like you know even like social media. Most of the time we'll run past ideas, or at least when we were first starting to post and everything, are starting to find more of what we wanted broken luxury to be. Especially with how this album is, we started to dive into okay, what type of pictures should this be? We absolutely want them to be artistically done. We don't want them to be as if we're taking this as a joke. We want to make sure that it's represented in a way that shows what the music will be when you listen to it, uh, which is consistently a learning process, but switching to kind of black and white 
making minimal statements in our in our pictures and like those statements, uh, not really focusing on hashtags, although I understand the importance of hashtags because they do get you out to more places. It's just we believe in the integrity of the organic nature of it. Mm-hmm. Um, an organic build that were, that was just people who were seeking something and they didn't know what it was until they heard it. And that takes a very long time and that is not an easy road. Right. Somebody who I consistently look up to um, in that regard is Anderson Pac mm-hmm. and the Free Nationals who they've been playing together for over a decade, working it just like any other person who understands the feeling of what it's like to feel like a local band for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. And you never know when that break is going to come or if it will, but that's not why you end up doing it if you're searching for that it won't come mm-hmm. and when it does it will be a flash in the pan mm. because you need to find the happiness in the moments of the building building everything around that to get to that moment and or hopefully get to that moment and so those type of artists are the ones that i think both josh and i look up to because we're not massive on selling ourselves i know that most artists are not like that because they believe in the artist artistry of the music but i guess we're selling ourselves on not being big on selling ourselves and that's the big point no exactly i mean i think it's important you're gonna do it your way and it's not gonna be because of trend or hashtag that works this is you guys and if you want to hop on board that's great artists get so consumed with the the promotions and the campaigns and i mean hey i teach this stuff for a living so i definitely (laughs) think that that stuff is good i just think that more independent musicians need to empower themselves that you know what's right for you. And so even if it's not something somebody else is doing, it doesn't mean you shouldn't do it or shouldn't put all your efforts into making it happen. If it's good with you guys, and I like that, you know, you guys said you sit down and talk about this stuff. And I always tell clients there's a million different ways to get somewhere, but your success is going to be different than somebody else's definition of success. And so if you're looking for the quick way to get the most fans and to get in the most people's, you know, uh, speakers. And there's nothing wrong with that, but there are specific strategies that work for that particular strategy. If you've set your expectations as to what you want out of it and you understand that it's a slow burn, I think that that's really cool for other people to hear that, that, you know, you guys aren't tied down to like this pressure curve. Like if this doesn't happen by next month, it's yeah. not, you know, it's not going to happen. Um, and that's not what it's about. And I think that that's really great that you allow this to organically unfold mm-hmm. and that you guys put a lot of energy into the fans that you already have, making sure their experience is good when they come out to the show. And I think too many artists get consumed with, how do I get more fans? Well, you get more fans by with what you just said organically. Like I've been to your shows. Like I tell people about you guys all the time because I go to the show and you have made my experience really positive. So that's who you want to focus on. Focus on the fans that you already have and they will do the work for you. <laughs> so I think that's yes. important for people to hear. You know, you mentioned Berkeley. Mm-hmm. How did that prepare you? You know, it was the place in which gave me the energy to write for the first time. You know, for the first year and a half that I was there, I was met Josh and hung out with Josh and partied, partied with Josh a lot. And uh, those were some ridiculous times. But, you know, that ended up turning into a much bigger thing and feeling like a much bigger meaning in life. And and how did writing together come out of it? I mean, was it, was it not till years later that you guys started writing and doing music while you were in New York and he was Chicago or 
did all of that kind of start at Berkeley? It actually, none, nothing like that started at Berkeley. It was just a friendship that kind of grew. And then the, the writing started once college was over for both of us. We kind of were both on our, on our own um, paths at the time, just figuring ourselves out. And uh, at the point in which we crossed, crossed paths again, which was back in Chicago, it, uh, I think, was both a, a growth period, mm-hmm. um, which those happen multiple times throughout life. Um, in which you need to grow as a person to move forward and gain a better life that you want. For me personally, I'm happy that I went through it because it made me write for the first time in which, or at least find, kind of figure out the the classic way of writing, although I was writing my uh, version of modern jazz, um, which is hilarious to listen to now. But I think for uh, Berkeley at the time, I was, I'm like a pretty quiet person. I'm much better in, in intimate situations than I am in large crowds. And so during the college years, I wasn't the most social person as I could have been, which I know everybody talks about. Meet people, network, do all this shit. But I just kind of did my best, not the best at it, but <laughs> was able to spend a lot of time writing and was able to spend a lot of time making these relationships that are with these people that I'm still close with, mm-hmm. which is crazy. And they're still all working in this world, which makes me extremely happy to be able to still have the create these memories with all of these people from now it's like over a decade ago which is bananas you are old yeah yes old. <laughs> so Please, old i've got i've got years <laughs> i've got years on them. so for the musician that wants to be there and at the forefront taking that time to go to a school like berkeley or any type of program where you can learn from other people build that network whether large or small on your own terms and and have that time to really develop as an artist, I think is really important. And the other thing I wanted to kind of tag on to that was day jobs. Right now you're working at a studio, a well-respected studio uh, in New York City, which is awesome. And obviously, at least something like that is very clearly in the same realm of what you want to do in your career in music. But I know that we've had to have jobs that we both hated, and yeah. we've definitely gone through the exciting world of retail. It's like a rite of passage. Yeah. yeah. What, looking back, I mean, during the time, you know, you just can't wait to get out, but looking back, do you think there's anything that you really learned from it or took from it to apply to your career and how you approach what you're building now? Whether they were like lessons learned, like mistakes of what not to do, well, like, or yeah, <laughs> either one. You know, there's like the the classic. Uh, no matter what your job is, you know, just be mm-hmm. proud of it. And in retail, and that type of work is more motivational for me. It motivated me to to write a lot more, to lock myself in my room, and then you know, kind of kind of went crazy in that respect because I was just doing that so heavily because I was like. I, I need to get out of here. Like, I can't believe that I'm, I just need to get out of here. I don't want to be here anymore. And even that, you know, that still hasn't gone because there's just goals that I want to reach Mm -hmm. in my life. And so where I am now, I know is not where I want to be. And so I just want to keep expanding. And so I think working in retail was kind of a catalyst and that mindset has just kept on going mm-hmm. as I've grown over grown older and it's also I've also gotten more realistic about what I should be expecting um, but it has not deterred me from working hard because like you said it's like it's a long road but it is about consistency mm-hmm. and the majority of people who are like really seen as these successful 
individuals in this industry or in any industry is just consistency. Right. Always like being there, always working, doing something. Kind of like people that say they want to spend the rest of their lives together and then rush to get married. It's like, well, if you're going to be there forever, then then you're fine. <laughs> like you don't have to rush to get married. And I feel like I kind of look at, at this profession in, in the same light where if you're really serious about doing this for the rest of your life or for, you know, a big chunk of your life, then you better love it enough to show up all the time, regardless of whether the main goal you've wanted has happened yet, or if it's still happening, because at one day when you least expect it, that opportunity is going to knock. And if that's the day where you're like, ugh, not today, I don't want to do anything, then what did you bust your ass for all those years, you know? like, So yeah, I definitely think, you know, if you can use the jobs that you're at, and rather than waste those eight to 10 hours being like, well, it's not what I want to do. You know, I I remember you and I talking about this in in the retail world where it's just like, well, we're here. So whether it's working on customer service or it's, you know, working on branding or it's using access to the color copier that they have to make your (laughs) flyers, you know, like whatever it is, at least use the time that you have while you're somewhere. And I like what you said, just, you know, using it to motivate your work ethic. Yeah, without a doubt. So I want to circle back to Josh. He's a very important part of Broken Luxury. Um, he is the voice. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I want to talk about, you know, you guys have been friends for a very long time. Uh, you've been making music together for a long time, but he wasn't always out here on the East Coast. He, you know, was in Chicago for some time. And during your first EP, you guys were doing that kind of, you know, across cities um and then you know you guys were able to come together so what was that process like how has it changed is there anything that's been very different about that like I, can you speak to what it's like to create something where you're not even in the same time zone versus you know being able to create something together you guys were roommates for a while like what's what's that difference it creates like a different type of trust the, I think the original trust, Josh and I worked on a, like a song that I did on on an EP that was just like my solo work. Um, that was just when Big House was really big and I was trying to dive first into electronic music and all this shit and hilarious stuff. Josh wrote a killer, killer um, melody and, and lyrics to it. We kind of started there and the incredible chemistry kind of happened within the music without us being in the room. He's got the same mindset of me in the sense of he was working at a rental car place. He's like, uh, what the fuck is going on? I need to get the fuck out of here. Uh, <laughs> um, but he's like, I need to get the fuck out of here. And his, his escape, you know, was was writing just melody, lyrics, and, and piano. And so he'd send it to me. And, and, you know, that was like, besides the fact that somebody was entrusting me with their ideas mm-hmm. and a base level to go somewhere. I was like, okay. So I just like went completely at it and it was just sending him stuff back immediately. And it just grew from, grew from there. So that trust already began, but then we were like, okay, we need to record these vocals legit. Like it can't just be on an iPad or, mm-hmm. or anything right now. We need to get something really great. And so we got into a uh, Victorian recording studio, which is a studio I used to work out, out in uh out in Chicago. And so we got in there for a week together and like the trust grew even more. And so after that, he was released. He was like, all right, fucking do He came out to New York, uh, got stopped in a snowstorm. <laughs> um, 
that landed in, uh, oh my God, Atlantic City. in Atlantic City. <laughs> and then uh, you and I were like, all right, fuck this shit. So we just drove. <laughs> Dropped 10 hours to Atlantic City. <laughs> 10 hours to Atlantic City because that mathematically makes sense coming from New York City. Josh had to fight off a bum that almost attacked him, which was fucking hilarious. And then we drove back the next day and surprisingly didn't die. I mean, welcome to New York. Yeah, that's that's literally the greatest statement. Did that, like, make you guys at all nervous that this was the right choice? No. (laughs) I would say the fight through it to make it all happen was proof of of that uh, we both wanted it, you know, bad enough. Yeah, just for the people listening, I don't know if you remember a couple of years ago, there was a very massive snowstorm. And uh, yeah, we're in New York, you're about an hour and a half from Atlantic City. And due to the snow, it took us 10 hours. That's what it means, guys. If you want to make it, you, <laughs> that literally weathering the storm <laughs> is, yeah. that's what weathering the storm means. You had mentioned before about, you know, the slow burn and understanding the climb that it takes to build the fan base in this authentic and organic way. Um, what's your outlook on the whole DIY musician world? I mean, do you feel empowered as an independent musician because it's all in, you know, under your say-so and your control? Or do you feel like, this is bullshit, there's way too much that people put on independent musicians? Uh, <laughs> I mean, I feel great about doing doing things DIY. Like, you know, I'm happy that that we aren't signed. I'm happy that we own our own publishing, mm-hmm. um, which definitely makes sure you have your own publishing company because that's just money left on the table. Otherwise, when you do that DIY ideal and you're doing everything, then you understand how everything gets done. So then once your team starts to grow, which whether it be you can hire somebody because you can finally afford it or it's just, you know, people that find you or friends who are just like, yo, I just want to be a part of this. I want to help, you know, make this happen then you you're able to like delegate and uh, in a legitimate way instead of being like uh, i don't know right. because <laughs> they're looking <laughs> to you you know they're the anybody who works with us is lo- are looking to to josh and i to to have the vision of how how we want broken luxury to move forward i think that's an excellent point about you know part of being a leader and an owner of your own business and and this is what this podcast is all about guys like teaching you how to own your own business and i'm very uh, happy you brought up owning your own publishing company. It's really important to have that control because, yeah, if people look to you and they say, well, what do you want? And you say, oh, I don't know, that you're not leading. So if this is your brand and your baby and your music, you know, you want to be able to do that. So great answer. All right. So I've, uh, I've put you under the spotlight long enough. Now here's some fun questions. I think they're fun. The last, the last band I interviewed was like, fuck, no. <laughs> All right, so you've got one extra hour in the day. What do you do with it? Ooh, okay. One extra hour in the day of not working? It, you can use it to sleep, work, whatever you want to do. It's totally yours. <laughs> so if I've gotten like everything I feel that I need to get done in the day, then I will absolutely watch CDN the Third on Twitch.tv sees... If you ever listen to this, huge fan, my girlfriend and I watch you all the time playing Fortnite. It's honestly the fucking, it's the most relaxing thing. It's the only thing that I do now that lets me decompress. It's fucking incredible. That's amazing. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put the link to that in the show notes for sure. So we like to talk on this show about big asks. Putting it out there in the universe, 
what do you want? Because you never know who's listening or what's going on there. I always think people should ask. Otherwise, the answer will always be no. So you have one request when it comes to your music career. It could be a feature on an album, going on a tour, an award, whatever it is. What do you want? I tell you, people hate these questions. I think they're good questions. Oh, I love this question. Like, the response is always, oh, fuck. All right. Uh, my, my one buddy, Matt, put up another question recently. It was just like, what are your five favorite songs of all time? I'm like, fuck. <laughs> oh, that would take me a really long time. Yeah, really, really yeah. long. This is like the, the one big ask of. Yeah. Like if you could uh, take out the worry of like, oh, will this happen? Yeah. just. I think like, it takes the fear of asking it away, you know? For sure. I've I've said this consistently, but it's like kind of a joke, but serious thing is I've I've never been to Madison Square Garden in the entire time that I've lived in New York, and I don't want to go until I play there. Nice. And so that is the big ask to play Madison Square Garden or just an arena tour in general. Right. Which is jumping a lot of steps, but whatever. Hey, <laughs> other things have happened, and it all starts by asking. I like that answer. You can join one band for the day. Who is it? Oof. Do they have to be alive? No. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I'll make it easier. Yes, they have to be alive. And you're going to go join them for a day and play play with them. Do whatever. And do whatever. Cool. It would be a tie right now between between the two bands, uh, two groups I've already brought up. It would be a tie between Disclosure and Anderson Pock and the Free Nationals. Very good. As you guys know, we're all about taking action. So usually each week I have a downloadable spreadsheet or, or checklist for people so that they could take action on what we talked about. So being that we've talked about you and Broken Luxury today, what is the one action our listeners can take when they're done listening to our time here? You can go directly to Spotify or whatever streaming service you like. Follow us, add us, download any of the songs that we have up that are going to be off of the upcoming album, A New Ma. That date is still to be determined, although by the time this comes out, it may be determined. There you go. <laughs> Just in case people don't check the show notes right away, where what do they search for to find you? They look for B-R-O-K-E-N-L-U-X-U-R-Y. We've gotten, we've had many other names when people don't understand us. Really? Yeah, some have really taken the cake. We have uh, a... <laughs> Brooklyn Laundry was oh, one, which I guess if we were like, if we were definitely deep into the Brooklyn scene, <laughs> it would make perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, it's always good to spell out the name, guys. When you're giving people your names, always spell it out. But if you do check out therockstaradvocate.com, you will find all the links to everything we've discussed here in the show notes. You can find them on Spotify. I'll have all of their links there for us to use and enjoy and Zach, thank you for doing this. I can't wait for the new music. Thank you. I'm excited for everybody to hear it as well. This has been an absolute blast. And that's all she wrote. Thanks so much for listening. I also want to take a moment to thank Zach for making time to talk with us. I hope you've taken something from Zach's story, as there's a lot we can all learn from it. Every musician Zach mentioned could be found in the show notes of this episode. So simply go to therockstaradvocate.com forward slash EP17. I've also included in the show notes an embedded Spotify player for you to sample Broken Luxury's new music. Be sure to take a listen and follow them on Spotify, and links to all of their other pages are also in the show notes. 
If you've enjoyed what you've learned here today, you can access all current episodes using your podcast platform of choice, including iTunes and Spotify, or by visiting therockstaradvocate.com forward slash podcast. As always, feel free to email me at any time, suz, S-U-Z, at therockstaradvocate.com. Until next time, Rockstar, have a wonderful week, and I hope to see you back here next Wednesday so we can get grounded to get rising. Take care.